the crypto community is a powder keg of political energy. I'm Eric Wilson, managing partner of Startup Caucus, the home of campaign tech innovation on the right. Welcome to the Business of Politics show. On this podcast, you're joining in on a conversation with entrepreneurs, operatives, and experts who make professional politics happen every day. We're talking with Tyler Wordy, founder of Hodel Pack, a pack for crypto voters that is also a crypto native organization and community governed. Don't worry if you don't know what some of those words mean or mean together in combination. We dive into that and more in our conversation. Let's get to it. Tyler, before we go any further, crypto is still a new concept. So I want to make sure that we have a, a shared understanding. Give us your best overview of cryptocurrency and blockchain technology and Web3. And I may jump in and ask you to explain some, some terminology along the way. Yeah, of course. So thank you, Eric, for having me. This is a, a big fan of the show. So I'm excited to uh, talk about crypto in its application to politics. So just to, uh, to answer your first question, like, what is crypto? That's a huge question. Um, so many, you know, people that have like dipped their toes in, in, in crypto and Web3, you know, find themselves falling down the rabbit hole and it leads to so many different, you know, topics and avenues. But I'll, I'll give you a good, hopefully give you a good overview. So, you know, a couple key concepts, blockchain, cryptocurrency, Web3. Blockchains refer to, you know, this novel kind of database, basically. Blockchains represent our peer-to-peer networks where a decentralized ledger keeps track of data. And that enables what is now known as Web3 and, and, and differs from things like Web2 in that there's no central company or actor that's storing the data and controlling and, and, and kind of gatekeeping that data. So blockchains enable a lot of things. They enable digital native peer-to-peer -peer payments, so transfers of value. So Tyler, the right way to think about blockchains or are sort of a, a database. So just like this podcast is stored on a database and our websites are built on databases and all the applications we use are built on on databases instead of that being stored and controlled by you know maybe it's hosted on my own computer or I host it to the cloud it's actually hosted on numerous other computers around the world these other peers on the network so at its core blockchain is this new type of database technology and just like with let's say HTML I can build many different types of websites with this type of database. You can then go build many different types of applications. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Blockchains at its at their core enable, you know, a network of computers to come to a shared consensus about, you know, the state of the blockchain, which again is, is, is storing data. So if Bitcoin, for example, you know, that allows a network of people to come to a consensus around who owns Bitcoin, the token, the cryptocurrency, and allows the transfer of value as a result. Now, other things like Ethereum allow other types of applications to be built on top. And you can get into things like NFTs and, and DAOs, which are other kind of concepts that I'm sure other people have or that the listeners have heard of. Um, but but yeah, that, that's the essential kind of understanding of, of what a blockchain is. It's a shared consensus over a, a set of data. And so we just to to 
to really spell this out, folks, the reason that these databases, these blockchain ledgers can be open to the public, everyone can have a copy, and yet they still maintain the integrity of the data that they're recording is through cryptography, right? So I have a set of digits that can unlock my data. Other people can see sort of the, the, the public aspects of that. And that's why we call it cryptocurrency, right? Because it's secured with cryptography, just like securing email, any other sort of online security that we're familiar with. And so Bitcoin is probably the most well-known application of blockchain tech, but not the only one. Correct. Correct. So what do we mean when we talk about Web3? So Web3 is kind of the new version of the web that's enabled by blockchains, right? So another kind of key concept here, you know, kind of shorthand thing of way to understand this is that we're moving from platforms to protocols. So you mentioned email, right? Email itself is a protocol. There, it's it's a you know agreed upon you know set of rules and you know code essentially that allows you know people to send emails to each other and doesn't matter whether you're using Gmail or Yahoo Mail or whatever else, um, it all works together. It just has a different front end, right? So that's a great way of kind of understanding like what blockchains enable. Um, the uh, you know it's 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 protocol based. So everyone's agreeing on an underlying set of, of, of like of concepts and technology and using the same, um, you know, protocol and then building applications on top of that, which are inherently interoperable because of, you know, the, because everyone's using the same, the same blockchain that unlocks open source development and, and, you know, people contributing and building different projects and it unleashes, you know, creative uh, energy, creative destruction and all that good stuff, all that things that, you know, that that propel us to, you know, to, you know, innovation, whereas the platform era, the kind of the Web2 era, you, you know, you're reliant on, you know, one company to build that new feature or build, you know, the new experience or, or whatever else. And, and, you know, they own all the data that comes from that. Whereas, you know, the, in Web3, it's open season. You can go ahead and you, you can build whatever, whatever you want using the concepts and it pushes things forward and everyone builds on top of each other. So this is really, you know, it's the future of the, of the web. And, and, you know, the future is kind of here now. Web3 is, you know, thousands of developers and billions of dollars are being, are being uh, you know, devoted to building this, this new internet. Yeah, so I hope that you know our listeners. If you if, you know you, you may be skeptical of of cryptocurrency and or, or really haven't spent time to to look into it or just unsure of the whole idea, I hope they walk away with an understanding here that it's not just Bitcoin and assets uh, on the internet, NFTs, but there is a whole world of applications that really haven't been tapped into yet, and so. As the folks that listen to the show or are working on campaigns, talking to voters, you run Hodel Pack. And so explain for us what a crypto voter is and what are the issues that they care about? Yeah, you know, so that's a, it's a great question. I think the crypto voter is an emerging concept. I mentioned the rabbit hole that so many people fall down when they kind of discover crypto and get, and get more into it. When you come out the other side, you have some level of crypto voter in you, right? Which right. is... You care about certain issues that affect this new paradigm, to use the the classic word. So, you know, what are those things? Some of them are digital privacy, right? So the way you kind of interact with Web3, you're doing so through a wallet. It's not Eric Wilson's account with Facebook. 
you know, that's that's hooked up to your email and maybe your phone number and all that kind of stuff. It's instead you are working out of a MetaMask or something, that's, which is just a browser extension that might be able to be traced back to you in certain ways. But, you know, there's a there's a certain pseudonymity or anonymity to it. And that, as many listeners here know, like has some friction with with certain parts of the current kind of regulatory framework for the Internet or, or for online commerce or, or what have you. So like those things matter. Right. I think there's there's like there's. There's other more tactical issues, right? For like the use of cryptocurrency in every in everyday life, you know, it, it, cryptocurrency isn't like taxed um, efficiently or or kind of like on par with with other currencies. Like if you were going to use euros in the United States or something, so there's like there's tactical issues, but there's also the, just these big picture of like enable of like allowing individuals to have the choice to kind of participate in this new ecosystem you know, without, uh, you know, running afoul of, of like laws, you know, made for, for other times and circumstances. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of what the crypto community is fighting right now is let's not stifle innovation. Let's not be skeptical of something just because it's new. And I think you're seeing different states adopt different postures of who's friendly um, to crypto the federal government is taking a look. So it's definitely in the mix in regulation and, and politics. And so obviously people are going to, to vote based on that. One of the things that makes HODL Pack unique is that it's governed by the community of supporters. How in the world does that work? Right. Yeah. So, you know, so there, there's this concept, and I, I think I mentioned it earlier, this concept of, of a DAO, um, a decentralized autonomous organization. It's a kind of a derivative concept of of what a, a la, like of what web3 enables which is which is true you know digital ownership if you own a token that uh you know is uh granted some type of governance rights over um you know either an entire decentralized application something like a uniswap right which is like an exchange protocol um in in you know in web3 exchange protocol um you know, then if you own Uniswap tokens, you have a, a, a vote in the in the governance of that protocol. Got it. So instead of someone just paying their dues and being a member in the pack, they are also almost like a well, they're they're a voting member of how the the pack is run. Right. Well, so that yes, and that and I'm the first to admit that that you know the the difference between Hodel Pack's community governance and you know. Like I, the example I use, like you know, owning a uni token and having a like a governance token over a, a you know a protocol, um, you know, they're, they're very different concepts. If Hodel Pack was completely on chain and, and you know run by smart contracts uh, and you know there was no you know human element to it, I would be more comfortable saying that yes, Hodel Pack is a DAO. And I think people, but but people are kind of loose with that term, right? So they they say you know, that things are DAOs when there's, you know, it's, they're not, you know, true DAOs in the sense of the word, but that's kind of like a, you know, your own purity test based on what, how you think about those concepts. Right. And and I think one of the things that's really important here is that there are always going to be de- uh, degrees or, or shades of how radically the technology gets applied. I mean, just, you know, folks may be familiar with the Constitution DAO, which was this online effort to buy a copy of the Constitution of the United States when it was up for auction. You know, they. I think they fairly called themselves a DAO, but when you look into how it was actually structured, they they had to have people right. in the real world 
working with the auction house, making sure that the assets got verified and, and figuring out what they were going to do with it. It's just not, um, there are some upward limits to, yes, totally digital protocol can be run by a group of people, but things that interact with the real world are, are going to have to have that, that hybrid approach. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, and we're in the early innings of like of figuring those types of things out, but I think that's a great example. So Hodel Pack kind of fits into that camp, right? I mean, I would love to build a fully on-chain pack. I think that's really cool. And, you know, wink, wink, you know, maybe- we I think the FEC would have some issues with you. Potentially, <laughs> potentially, potentially for sure. But, you know, it's still an interesting thought experiment and an interesting kind of like goal. But but anyway, yeah, so Hodel Pack, it's playing with these concepts of a community-governed, digitally native political organization might look like. If you're able to build that, um, that has uh, some advantages, right? So NFTs- you know, right now, a lot of people think of those as, you know, they picture the Bored Apes, right, of Bored Ape Yacht Club, or they picture some other kind of silly profile picture. But but really what NFTs are, when you're interacting with Web3, it's it's wallet-based. You're not necessarily signing up anywhere and, like, giving over your, your information. But so NFTs, you know, that you hold in your wallet for being a part of Hodel Pack, right, or being a part of Constitution DAO, or being a part of, you know, Ukraine DAO, right, where they raised a bunch of money from a Web3 kind of crowdfund to uh, to send to Ukraine to support, you know, the, the war effort. Those are kind of digital identity markers, right? Like you collect these NF- NFTs, they, they create your digital identity, they, they add to the, you know, the multi-layered, you know, sense of, of digital self that Web3 kind of enables. And I think that's really interesting, right? And, and of course, politics is such an awesome you know, application of that concept, in my opinion, right? The so many people, I mean, for better or for worse, you know, nowadays kind of hold yeah, make politics identity. their identity, right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you know, for better, exactly. They part of their part of their identity is their political identity and the you know the groups they align with, the ideas they support, and I think NFTs as as we kind of move more into a Web three version of digital life, NFTs for politics are are going to be you know kind of what helps people kind of create that identity, right? And I think that's, that's just, we're, we are in the early, early innings of this, but I think like, it's such a fascinating concept, you know, some people have to be working on this. Absolutely. And and so even at this early stage, how are we seeing candidates and elected officials reach out to crypto voters? So crypto voters, I, you know, I, I didn't mean to minimize them, right? I, I, I think, you know, there are, the crypto community is a, is, is a, uh, you know, a powder keg of, of political energy. And we've seen it pop up several times in the last few years, um, whether it be at the end of the uh, Trump administration, when there was a, you know, Treasury Department move to to uh, restrict the use of self-hosted wallets, which is the concept that we've been talking about today. Um, or, you know, in the infrastructure bill fight last year, when, when there was some anti-crypto c- provisions, you know, the crypto community has, has uh, you know, rallied, uh, behind those or, or rallied in light of those things and, and, you know, set the record for Treasury Department public comments and, you know, sent something like 50,000, you know, calls and emails to to members of, of Congress and, and senators uh, around the infrastructure bill fight. Um, so so there, there's this latent and um, well, not even really latent. There's this real, you know, organized kind of hive mind energy uh, in the crypto community 
Um, and, and that, you know, it has been channeled into politics, uh, you know, several times over the last few years. And, and, you know, I think as a result of that, you know, and also as a result of, you know, this is a newly kind of wealthy class, right, uh, uh, in American society, you know, a lot of politicians have taken notice and, and they've reaching out to, to the crypto community. Um, and, you know, leaning into learning about issues that matter to us. Right. And, and I think that's that's been really cool to see. And it's been on both sides of the aisle. Um, you know, I think there's a kind of a different uh, different reasons for different types of politicians on, on, you know, why crypto is appealing and why Web3 is appealing. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the idea certainly behind Hodel Pack is, is to uh, is to get as many politicians and policymakers to kind of engage and, and learn about these issues. Because I think, you know, once once you do kind of dig in and, and start learning about it, it's hard to hard to you know be staunchly against it. Right. You're listening to the Business of Politics show. I'm speaking with Tyler Wordy, founder of Hodel Pack. We're talking about the future of blockchain technology in politics. Now, Tyler, you alluded to NFTs a little bit earlier, and I'm certainly excited about all the things that Web3 has to offer, especially when it comes to politics. What are some applications that you're eager to see that maybe we aren't ready for yet or, or just over the horizon? I guess, in other words, what should people be looking out for when they, they see it next? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I saw, I mean, you know, like we could we could talk about NFTs for the whole podcast, but I think just to return to that, you know, NFTs, they are community building technology, right? And like, what is politics, but building community, certainly on the campaign side, like you, you know, that's, that is the goal. So yeah, let me just jump in here and say NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Thank you. So instead of like a Bitcoin where my Bitcoin is the same as your Bitcoin, the NFT is, is a unique digital asset. Most people are, are familiar with them as, as sort of these profile pictures, but uh, they can represent so much more. So there's the, that's what an NFT is. And, and so I'll let you keep elaborating on, on how they might be used in politics. Yeah, sure. You know, and, and I think you can just kind of say tokens as well. I mean, I mean, you know, a lot of NFT, like the, the real difference between regular kind of crypto tokens, if you will, and in NFTs, there's just a couple lines of code, right? Like it, but, but they, but yes, they, you know, um, so to, to, to talk about NFTs and politics, you know, they are community building technology. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, Twitter users listening right now. You've probably seen, you know, uh, profile picture NFTs, you know, on Twitter, you know, just think about the power of that in a political campaign, um, you know, in, in Facebook and Instagram are, are integrating NFTs too uh, soon as well. So, you know, instead of just donating to a campaign, you donate and you get an NFT and you put it in your social media. And then, all you know, that that has just advertising and, and uh, you know, other benefits for for the for the candidate or for the organization that's using that as as kind of a fundraising tool. Um, you know, we've talked about DAOs, you know, I think that's fascinating, right? Like if there's a future where a lot of, you know, spontaneous kind of political organization can happen just like online without somebody, you know, certainly there's always kind of leaders and stuff like this, but, um, you know, DAOs will enable, you know, spontaneous kind of political activity and organization by, you know, individuals. And, you know, is, this, is that the future of kind of grassroots advocacy? You know, maybe maybe there's an element of, of that in there. Of course, now, right, another way to think about it, like just speaking right to the political, you know, operators that listening, of course, just accepting crypto assets, you know, on your campaign is a good way of like having another, you know, source of funding, right? So, 
it, it just leaning into Web three. I think there's there's not a whole lot of downsides if if you're able to do it in a you know a compliant way and um you know do, doing it smartly. And I think that there's a really important thread here between what's happening in Web3 and the trends that I'm seeing with campaign technology. I often emphasize the fact that we are seeing more technology and software following supporters rather than campaigns. So great example of this on the right is WinRed. You have a, uh, as a donor, an account with WinRed, other campaigns plug into that. On the left, Mobilize, this is their event platform. You have an account with Mobilize and then other campaigns advertise their events on Mobilize. And so this ownership layer that, that Web3 is starting to bring into play is going to, to really accelerate that trend. And as eager as I am about all of this, you said it yourself, we're, we're in, in very early innings. It is uncertain regulatory ground sometimes with crypto. It's difficult to really use this. I've been locked out of a wallet before, um, an expensive mistake to make. It is not consumer grade technology yet. What needs to happen before we see the transformation of politics by Web3? Great point and great question. So, you know, I think for Web3 to to transform politics is going to take tools that make that easy, right? Uh, and tools, in, in the, and so that's answer one. Answer two is, you know, Web3 will transform politics while it's transforming everything else, mm-hmm. right? So like, I think digital life is going to change a lot over the next few years. Yeah. I like to think about it as Web3 or, and blockchain is the technology. And right now we're very much at the not not hobbyist phase, but you have to be an expert. Um, it reminds me a lot of the early days of the web, where if you wanted to have a website, you had to know HTML and being able to host. And fast forward to today, we have all these DIY website builders and they make it very easy, but they're still on HTML. And people who care to learn about HTML and CSS can build things on their own, independent of, of other folks, have much more autonomy. And I think we need to get to essentially the, like the drag and drop builders of Web3. Right, right. But, the, you know, the promise is that even if there are tools that make it easier, you know, the drag and drop of Web3, if you will, which I think is an interesting concept, it won't mean sacrificing your digital sovereignty, if you will. Right. Uh, which would, well, hopefully, right. I mean, that's what a lot of people in the, in the space are working towards to make sure that we don't have a kind of re-aggregation um, of, you know, of, again, I'm using this term digital life because I think it really does kind of, it's, it's, it is so all encompassing that digital life is a good way to describe it that we don't want, you know, a, the, just a new Facebook, right. Or a new kind of bank, you know, banking right. system. Yeah. Um, we, we, you know, we want to, we want to restore, you know, created a, a, a new, a new uh, version of the web where it's, it's more decentralized and more, uh, you know, um, it has more self-sovereignty and, and, you know, individual, but yeah, there's going to be trade-offs and there's going to be, there's luckily there's a lot of smarter people than I working on like these concepts for, for general applications. Um, I'm just thinking a lot about that, their applications to politics. Right. So Tyler, if someone is interested in learning more about Web3 after listening to our conversation, uh, what are some of the best ways for them to get started? Yeah. So I uh, love this question. Um, so I, I have three I have three things for, for listeners. Top of mind, A16Z, uh, the um, 
the venture firm has a has a a, a collection of of uh, of writing and in in videos and stuff on their website called the Crypto Canon C A N O N. Um, so I w- I recommend that that has a lot of good information. Um, Variant Fund, uh, which is another Web three focused venture firm, um, has a lot of good writing on their on their site about you know this concept of the ownership economy, which is something that the web web three is enabling, right? Ownership and like more widely distributing ownership of, of, uh, you know, of, of, of web applications and all, you know, all the good stuff that's being built. Right. So, uh, and, and much more, right. Like this is a concept that we've been talking about. So I, I would point them in the, that direction. And then if they're interested in, um, you know, more policy or politics related stuff, uh, then I would I would point them in the direction of of Coin Center and uh, the Blockchain Association, which you know have really good, um, really good material on some of the uh, some of the policy relate uh, policy issues related to to crypto. And I'll recommend uh, Rabbit Hole. I think it's rabbithole.gg uh, as a really good hands-on resource that sort of guides you through. Okay, you know, here, here's building a wallet. Here's completing a task. Here's voting in a DAO. So, folks who are really interested in getting getting hands-on uh, on what it has to offer in a in a fairly low-stakes way, that's another great resource. Tyler, you're obviously working on some tools to help campaigns and packs tap into the power of Web three. Uh, what's another startup that you'd like to see in the political Web3 space? Yeah, you know, so I would say that if anybody's thinking about these things, uh, I want to talk. So please reach <laughs> out at T Wordy uh, on Twitter. Maybe we can put that on, on, on you know, the show notes yeah, or something be in like the show that. Notes, I'm sure. Amazing. Um, so if anybody's thinking about these concepts, I want to talk. There's very few of us that are, uh, you know, and I'm hopefully, you know, this this podcast can can spark some, uh, you know, some, some more people and spark some ideas. Um, so I would say that, you know, that, and, and then, you know, I would just, I, I really, I would love to see more startup organizations, right? I think, I think there, there's a, if, if you're a young person listening to this and, you know, you want to run your own 501c4 or PAC or, you know, other type of organization one day, uh, you know, why not build it on Web3 Rails, right? Let's push this and push it forward, build the next generation of K Street, of think tanks, of <laughs> right. whatever on, you know, in DC, like let's build DC in the metaverse. Like, just kidding. But um, I think there's something to that. I'd love to see more, uh, you know, kind of policy entrepreneurs, if you will, uh, you know, start to think about how they can incorporate this into their toolbox. And Web3 really makes it easier, right? That's the idea to create these types of organizations. That's, that's our goal to eliminate some of these gatekeepers um, that, that have made it historically difficult to administer uh, an institution like this. So Tyler, you've given us a lot to think about, a lot of homework to do. I want to say thank you so much for joining us. Folks can learn more about Tyler. I'll link to his Twitter account as well as to Hodel Pack. And remember to share this episode if it made you a little bit smarter, if it gave you something to think about. We also appreciate your subscription wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you've been listening for a while, be sure and leave us a review. That's also really helpful uh, for reaching new listeners and, and trying to get more people into our conversations about innovation and new technology for campaigns. And now you can join our email list at our new website, businessofpoliticspodcast.com. 
You'll get email alerts anytime there are new episodes, and you'll get to see transcripts, show notes, and see all the episodes you may have missed. So do check out our new website, businessofpoliticspodcast.com. With that, I'll say thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.